Hello and welcome to the second episode of the House of the Deaf podcast with uh, Rafael Calantonio. Hi, Raf. Hello. My name is Peter Sandlikov and today we have a special guest, game designer and writer Harvey Smith, one of the creators of Dishonored series. Hi, Harvey. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You are entering the House of the Dev. We promise to be um, actually useful for our audience and uh, this time we're going to talk about how not to go crazy and not to ruin your life and health making a video game and not to disconnect from reality and uh, you know uh, many people uh, don't think it's actually a struggle and what kind of struggle it is so yeah let's talk about that this is actually a topic offered by Raf here so take it away yeah uh you know i mean of course harvey uh you and i share more than anyone i can think of uh when it comes to our careers and i mean we work together working with uh, some of the same games uh and also our our lives outside of, of work have been a little similar you know we, we both went through uh complex childhoods and then like we both were fans of the same games more or less at the same time eventually we uh, you know, eventually we met and did some stuff together. Uh, but we've both known successful games and, and failures as well. So making games is really a lifestyle almost. It's it's uh, you know you got you got it's not like something you can take lightly because it's gonna overpower everything in your life, right? And, and, and so it's like both are linked. Uh, so that's the kind of thing I wanted to talk about. You know, somehow. Yeah, that's a good topic. Um how you can have uh, what to the average person working outside of a creative field would feel like enormous success and still feel like you're not a success, that you need to prove yourself. Uh, it's a, it's a, the whole thing is a mind game, you know, so. Yeah. Do you think, um, it's, it's one of the questions that some people ask sometimes, like, do you think creativity and in general, I would say like the rage of winning of, of, of making it happen do you think it's it, ha it is somehow tied to your past uh you know i think it's different for different people uh, it's one of the things i struggle with is that um it's almost like i simultaneously believe nothing and everything uh because somebody will have a rule you know and i, and I can find exceptions to the rule and sometimes i'll fall in love with the rule and then i'll realize that there's a bunch of exceptions to the rule it's almost like you can't say that anything is true, right? So it's very, it's very difficult that you need to come from some sort of drama or some sort of like chaos in order to like, you know, want to make something cool later. I'm sure there are people that's not true for. I'm sure there are people from healthy, balanced backgrounds where they create because they want to share joy or because they have a particular idea. They went to school and they studied art and history and film and all that. And, and then there are other people, though, I know that are yearning to connect with people or to have someone love them. You know, the, the person who stands on stage or the person who tells the joke or whatever, uh, the person that puts themselves in a position to control things. And I, um, and then you spend the rest of your life trying to undo that somehow, you know, so it's, uh, uh, it's definitely a path. Yeah. Know? All right, Peter, it's going deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? This is the whole point. 
So when you start to develop an idea, any kind of idea, be it a video game idea or an architectural idea, you can disconnect from the rest of the world. And this is a problem for um, uh, for, for pretty much everyone who is, uh, you know, uh, doing something with their lives. And uh, right now, working from home, um, it's pr it sometimes it gets pretty hard to connect back to your family when you uh, like you have to walk three meters uh, to your workbench and uh, then you get back to the dinner table and you're like you're still there you are in this tunnel of uh, your uh, pipelines and work processes spreadsheets and stuff like that so how do you actually manage this yeah that's a that's an interesting question because i uh i feel that some in video games like you leave work and you're still in a certain frame of mind the way you talk to people and the way you um you know the way you're like trying to solve problems or you're focused over focused on something uh and then you're dealing with your partner or whatever and it's it gets you know you have to break out you have to 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 change the way you think or whatever but honestly i've never felt that as much um as I do when I'm writing, which I don't write very much right now. I'm mostly fully dedicated to working at Arcane um, and personal life dealing with the pandemic and all that. But like, like writing is this thing where for, you know, the way I write was like, I would reserve three hours a day. I wrote this book. It's I've written a, a number of small things that are unpublished, but I wrote this book. It's on Amazon. It's called Big Jack is Dead. And it's the, probably the loneliest experience of my life uh, because what I did was reserve three hours a day where I didn't have any distraction, no internet, no nothing, just alone writing. And when I would leave that, I would have trouble talking to people. And it would take usually like an hour of like getting back in the right headspace. Um, but I think just knowing it, like you just articulated it, like you just knowing it is, you now work on it. You know, you know, oh, I'm in, the, this is a thing. This happens. I'm in this frame of mind and I need to switch to more social, human, warm, uh, you know, go on YouTube and watch some Brazilian dancers for a moment or something like, you know, just to like feel human again out of the the mode of creating something or chasing something, you know, an idea. So, you know how creativity comes sometimes it's a little fickle. It comes in and then comes out. It's terrible. And then it's like, yeah. and, then, and then also it's like possess you while you are in a situation where you should be present, mm -hmm. right? How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it's very hard. And I, um, I have these moments where I wake up at three in the morning and I'm more wide awake than I will be all day. I know this, you know, from knowing my body, my brain for a long time, I wake up, my mind is racing. Like it's almost like my eyes come open in the dark and I'm in the middle of some idea. And uh, uh, when I'm really working on something, I have to like get up at that moment, uh, move quietly through the house or apartment or whatever, get to a note and, and start writing or a laptop or my phone. And that's whether it's my D&D campaign or it's whether it's for something for work or some other side project or whatever. Uh, and I'm just like flowing and fast and like ideas come really easily and I, and I feel playful and I feel... I feel like excited about the idea and I'm making little connections and stuff and then it will be gone, you know, like pretty quickly, an hour and a half later, it's gone. And the rest of the day, I'm just kind of like, you know, going through the day, making breakfast or whatever. And then like five o'clock in the afternoon, I'm in a meeting, maybe the last meeting of the day or something. 
and I just feel dead because I because I woke up at three, you know, and and I don't mean to, I don't want to, but I I have insomnia and I woke up, and that's when I was alive and ready and you know full of ideas and pleasant pleasant to talk to and uh, and then at five p.m. I'm just like fuck, you know, and so trying to, trying to solve the problem then it's like it is really frustrating that you don't have you know control over that or whatever it um, you know there are people that don't have control over their bodies or whatever they're. This my cousin would describe the simple act of trying to reach for the toothbrush and her hand not obeying her. She had a condition, um, and it's like this is a a way more horrible version, of course. But like um, the creativity thing is, it, it's elusive. It must be like that. Yeah. I know what I want to do. Right. I know what I want, how I want to feel, and how I want to think. But like it's it's slipping away or whatever, you know. So it's it's really funny. All right. Um... I don't know if you have that too. In my case, a lot of my ideas come when I'm on vacation, for example. Yeah, travel yeah. is good. Yeah, traveling yeah. and finally three days into my vacation, I'm finally relaxed. Yeah, and then that's when it's pushing. You know, right, it's something which totally for no reason apparently yeah. is there, and you go, ah, shit, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta write this down. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people. I, for me, it's it's something like five days into the vacation which I rarely get a vacation, but like once in a while I take a trip or whatever. And it doesn't even have to be anything fancy. Sometimes it can be like driving across to Texas to stay for a week in a small town with relatives or whatever. But it's a, around five days into it, I start feeling like me again, mm -hmm. um, where if I didn't have a job, if I didn't have deadlines, this is kind of who, if I didn't have all this pressure or responsibility, this is who I would be, I remember now. And then things start coming easier, yeah. you know. It doesn't, don't you think it makes it really complicated in a context of an industry? Yeah, I mean, it's the force of like one group of people that are really just trying to make money. And the rest of us are generally, I mean, I, I suppose there are game developers that don't care about any of that. And they're just pure creatives. I, I don't know many of them. But the rest of us are like trying to balance, like keeping the business alive, but doing cool stuff, doing stuff that interests you, doing stuff that you think players are going to delight in, but also making the deadline and keeping the budget and all of that. Like it's a load, you know, it's, it's just a constant load that you're carrying in a way. Uh, and I say that knowing that like at the same time, it's a dream job for many people and it's better than what I used to do. You know, I worked in convenience stores and I, were, I was in the air for years. And, I remember this day, I've told you about this, there was this day when my boss came in. I love my boss uh, and when I worked in this one, um, I was part of this first special operations comm squadron in Saudi Arabia. I did all this stuff with those guys. And uh, I was a satellite communication technician. And I love my boss at that point. And he came in and he was like, we're gonna put an antenna in this field, uh, but unfortunately the field is full of these rocks. So, you know, some of them are this big, some of them are this big. We need to clear all the rocks out of the field so that we can get the crew in there and put the antenna up. And I was like, cool. Uh, you want me to get a crew of people and get the rocks? And he was like, no, I want you to go get the rocks. I was like, okay, well, uh, I will go get the truck and I'll load the truck up. And he's like, we can't, we, we're using the truck for something else. I need you to go to the field, dig a big pit and put the rocks in the hole. It, it almost sounded like, <laughs> that sounds like, a like joke. I had died and gone to hell, you know? And so that's only one day. It's not even like this was my job, but I was like, you're kidding, you know? Uh, and he was like, 
this is I have to have this done because the construction starts tomorrow. You have to finish today. I'm out there in the morning with a pair of gloves and a shovel. And I worked all day and buried all these rocks. It, you know, it's like dig a hole and fill it. It was the job. Yeah. And uh, by the end of the day, all the rocks were gone and my hands were covered in blisters. And and so now when I, I complain about video games, it's, it is it is true that it is, it's all relative, right? So yeah. it, it bothers me, but like, we have it really good in nine out of 10 ways. You I know? mean, physically it's true. I mean, it's a yeah. good allegory though for video games because there are moments I feel like I'm digging a hole and putting <laughs> some rocks in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's one of the differences between maybe AAA and indie is that uh, I would love to be able to make indie games, but have the budget that, you know, we can do whatever we want, right? And uh, it's of course the childish dream, Yeah. Um, but the, the one of the one of the problems with with AAA games is in order to get to the part you want you first have to clear all of these hurdles that are just the price of entry right like well you have to be on these platforms and you have to have achievements or whatever the equivalent on the platform is and you have to have meet these uh, TCRs and you know gamers expect these features if you're working in that space they expect this set of features or else it's it's really not that yeah. genre and that is just to start with and that's just to start <laughs> and that's yeah. before you even get to anything different about your game anything cool about your game it's like if you just did all that it's several years worth of hard work and then you would have nothing you would have a right. game that is generic and banal and just like everybody else's game you know and it's um and so i would love to just focus on that part I just personally don't know how to do that. Right. Like it's, uh, yeah, I, I wish either. I wish yeah. as well. And, and so we both joked. I don't know if it's no, we don't joke actually. We we both said that it really takes not only just one miracle, but a succession of miracles yeah. to uh, to pull off. People don't appreciate a, it. A good game yeah. that sales that is successful, etc., right. and that you're proud of. You know, mm -hmm. and yeah, people don't fully really realize that. But um, yeah, what do you say about that? I mean, I've been in games for like, I don't even know, since 93, I think I professionally started at Origin. Um, and I still have my my card because for nine months I was a temp and um, we worked way too many hours. I don't believe in working that many hours. A little overtime here or there is fine in any job, but six months of mandatory 12 hour shifts or whatever, it's just soul crushing. It's not good, you know? So we worked a lot. We, we would punch hundred hour weeks, you know, it's, uh, I, I worked in France for four years, you know, and I, I told one of my coworkers that and he was like, that doesn't sound possible. And I was like, well, you have to sleep under the desk. That's the, you know, that's the key. Yeah. And so it's horrible. Right. Um, uh, I kind of liked it in my thirties. Yeah. Well, there, there's moments where it wasn't as much of a problem. Uh, I, I still am against it, but it's like, I do recall there were moments where I, liked hanging out after hours because all the bosses were gone we played a lot of video games uh there were role-playing games in the conference rooms but we also worked we'd go back right. to work you know and there was a sort of camaraderie that i that was almost like the way college kids crunch to finish like their degree or whatever it was almost norm like and that's totally sense. yeah i think it, you can get hooked on that and i think that's dangerous yeah, yeah. And, and to 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 peter's point about like balancing lifestyle and, and creating games i think in my case, and I don't know, I mean, you probably felt a little similar when I was 20 something. And I, to me, having a chance to work for game was 
yeah. not a work. It was like, look, I would have paid to be here. Right. And of course, over time, it changes because then after a while, you get used to anything and then you now you, you demand <laughs> to that's, be paid. And that's I was the same way. That's wrongheaded because people can exploit you. Then, of course, yeah. of course. But I, but, I felt the same way. But disregarding yeah. of the exploitation part, I was exploiting myself in the sense of uh, even when it was my, you know, my own company, when I started Arcane, I was still still in my 20s uh, and it was there was no other option. Like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being at work all the time from, you know, and, but now like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a different space. And, mm -hmm. and of course, uh, over the years, I realized why it doesn't apply to everybody. And all, because it's not everybody, it's also every age and every phase of your life. Like there's a phase in your life where I think it could be kind of compelling to just mm -hmm. be like, yes, we're on this thing, you know, and then it's, of course, it works for just that amount of time. I, th I think what you're hitting on, and I, th I feel like we've neglected the, your original question because I got distracted, but like, I think what you're hitting on there is one of my favorite topics, which is dealing with age and mortality and death. You know, it's like, you know, it's one thing now to have this understanding and to look back on yourself and realize that in my case, I was doing some of that because I had so much noise in my head, so much pain and all that, that I just wanted to avoid it. And so suddenly I was part of something. I was important to somebody. I had a task in front of me. Um, I could just like grind, grind, grind on that and not feel anxiety and not feel worthlessness, not yeah. feel all of this your purpose. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So totally get it that. Yeah. You know, then at some point you physically can't do it anymore and you realize it was foolish anyway. And you realize in part you were being exploited by the guys that are super wealthy at the top of the organization. Uh, and then uh, also you, you've matured to the point where you, if you're lucky, because uh, we are very lucky, like, you know, games has afforded therapy, it's afforded good health insurance. There's all, there's all the stuff that growing up poor the way I did, we didn't have, right? And so just the idea of seeing a therapist for seven years to, to deal with some of that is like, it's a huge boon, you know? Um, but now you look back on it and you know, at least we get to this, we've survived this point where we can reflect on it, you know, but it's, yeah. it's like you said, it's a, every stage, something is different and your understanding is different. And uh, it's crazy. Yeah. What was the original question? Uh, we were on the miracle. Oh, the miracle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I, th I think like what I was going to say originally is I, I've now been in games like, I don't know what that is, 28 years or something. And really, if you boil all that 28 years down to the stuff I truly love, there's lots, I, I have good friends from every project. I've also people probably who don't want to work with me again from every project, right? It's, it's very intense, the whole thing. Actually, that would be a good side question for later. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but there are people I love and I'm still in touch with 20 something years later because we worked on one little project together, you know? Uh, and there are moments I remember and, and funny, happenings at the company or with the team or pivotal moments, uh, pivotal occurrences inside the culture. But then there's also the games. And, I, and and if I boil it all down, it's like, well, you know, there's probably five things that I remember that I really, truly love and I'm proud I worked on. And then a bunch that I'm just like, why did we do that, you know? And I think at some point you get to where you realize it's going to take a miracle to get the right group of people together. It's gonna to take a miracle to get funded because what we wanna do is really weird or it's really ambitious or uh, it's not the most promising thing in the world from the perspective of the financial guys or whatever. And then it's gonna take a miracle to like get everybody to agree 
on one version of it. Because honestly, there's really almost no right or wrong in, in a group of 100 people talking about what game they should make. They could all go make a game and it would, it would go in 100 different directions. And it would be another miracle to actually like get it to like vertical slice or something, you know, where you could see a functional chunk of it, even if you hate that term, whatever you, whatever you call that, like a mission or whatever, uh, a prototype. And then like another miracle to get it to feature complete like alpha or, or, or whatever. And then to get a game polished where like all the shit is in the box and you look at it and you're like, well, this is a disaster. But yeah. if we had one more year and we didn't add anything else, maybe we take a few of those things out, but we really just polish it. Then this could be good. And then it's another miracle that it comes out at the right moment. It's not being crushed by Red Dead Redemption 5 or whatever, whatever's coming. It's a, uh, you know, it's, and then the audience understands it and likes it and, and, and it, and it makes, enough money to recoup and then also make money so everybody's happy and you get that's yeah. like 10 miracles in a row it's, right it's like the the baby turtle on the on the beach trying to reach the, the water i don't know if you've seen this uh, documentary yeah, right. yeah. it, it starts uh, and then there's the birds coming in and the crabs for, and <laughs> it's good for the seagulls right <laughs> yeah. uh and and there's a couple of notes here one is um the main thing i want to say i'll say for a second but 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 the the sea turtle that makes it to the water can think like you know, the reason I made it is that I did a zigzag. You should do a zigzag. And then next wave of baby turtles hatch and somebody goes, oh, my grandfather said do a zigzag and he gets eaten immediately because it's not, it wasn't yeah, the exactly. zigzag. It's not the zigzag. It was yeah. that, the, that there was no seagull above you at that moment water and no yeah. fish in front of you and but you just got lucky. That's why it's good to to have both failures and successes because uh, yeah. you, people who always succeed, uh, they, they don't, fully understand actually why right. in a way so um, I, the, the main answer i was going to give is like i think like with dishonored which is our biggest collaboration together we overlapped at arcane i've been there 12 years now and of course you started the company and were there for 15 years or something like that before you took off yeah so our main overlap our main collaboration together was dishonored one um and certainly one of those if i had to list five things that i truly love that i've worked on um and I would say that one of the secrets there, knowing the miracles, knowing how many, this is most likely gonna fail. This is like 80% or more likely gonna fail, right? It's like a new right. restaurant. The thing that kept us going, I think there's a number of things you could cite, like having shared values, having an overlapping goal, talking a lot and collaborating, being stubborn and having a strong vision. Cause there's always somebody who's like, what if instead this was a racing game? And then a, a group of your team, like 10% are like, yeah, racing games. I love Japanese racing games or whatever, you know, with, with funny anime characters. And I it. want to make that dinner. Yeah. And, and you have to be stubborn enough to push through the thing you're working on. It's very anti-democratic at some level, but it also has to be very democratic because you have to have everybody on board. It's, it's mind blowing. But one of the things that what I was going to say is I feel like we just like mostly did what we thought was cool. And we also paid attention to what we thought the players needed and what the company needed and, and, and like the price for admission, all that stuff, you know, like here's what gamers expect, here's yeah. the expectations, here's some cultural changes that have been going on. You have to pay attention to that too. But like the lion's share was just like, this is what we want to do. Yeah. This is what we want to do. And it, don't worry about the miracles. Don't worry about, you know, Bob, the executive who's breathing down your neck. Yeah. Don't worry about it the conference that's coming up or the trade show or whether the other people, other teams in the city think you're an idiot. 
uh, because they make different kinds of games and they think your kind of game is dumb or what, well, ignore all that. And also it's a four year miracle, right? It's, so <laughs> it's it's very hard to sustain that yeah. energy and that and that belief, right? Uh, and, and you touched a little bit about, on it, but the, I think the the one of the things that kills me the most in game development, uh, you talk about like some people really don't like to work with you anymore. Uh, same with me. Uh, the, the thing that people don't necessarily see from outside is how the, it's the human struggle, like how hard, how hard it is to uh keep vision with a team of people that each of them have got the different the, the, the they're seeing a different movie you know it, it, everybody yeah. sees the life through their own eyes and now you're the asshole that is asking them to to change this and that mm -hmm. and like you want to make the game better in their head you think they're thinking that this guy is going is trying to make the game worse mm -hmm. uh and so you reach a point where yes you will make a few very unhappy people and that alone is like extremely crushing as a, as a human being you know i hate that part of my job um, yeah. i don't know how, how, how you deal with it yeah i mean like one of, i'll just say on the positive side um a f an experience i've had a few times in my career now is somebody who comes back to me after Later. years apart, yeah, yeah. who has now grown up and learned a lot and like you know they did their own thing and they directed a game or whatever they ran a company whatever it is and I've a few times, won't name names, but a few times I've had prominent figures in my life come back and say, you know, I just did the thing that I used to rage on you while you were doing it. And now I understand why it's so difficult. We had this many people leave. We had this many people openly rebel, want to make a different game. The publisher played this trick and that trick and uh, legally and managerially and every other way. And meanwhile, my personal life was on fire. And then like the industry changed out from under me and uh, you know, some of them have failed and some of them have su succeeded, but they come back and they say like, now that I've done that job, I realized I was ranting at you and I didn't understand what you were going through at all. And it's not that I need that. Cause frankly, I'm in a, I'm in a position of privilege. So really their, their, their position is probably harder because they have some of the same struggles and less power or whatever. So I'm not blaming them for that. But it is nice to hear sometimes when yeah. they come back and they say, oh, I get it now, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So with that in mind, with all these uh, difficulties we're going through, I mean, obviously we talk, we've talked a lot about the, the pain. Uh, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, again, I, I, the, back to the believing in nothing and believing in everything at the same time. I don't There must be a word for that. But uh, <laughs> um, I there are days when I think, I do this because I love it. Like when a game, it's very rare now. We've talked about this too, where it used to be like every month, there'd be like three games coming out that you were excited about. Now it's like every year there's one or two. Cause mostly you look at it from a distance and you're like, I've played that before. Or this is bad graphics, but I've played that before. Um, and so part of me wants to say, I do it because I love games. I love the joy of it. Like I was sitting down with my Oculus uh, the other day, and it doesn't matter whether you like that VR or not, but it was it's it's a VR system. And I was like going through Ocean Rift and I was just swimming around like deep sea, you know, chasing some seals or something. And it was like uh, 30 minutes went by, you know, and I, I stopped and I studied this cool squid. And I had that sense of presence you get from VR where you just really feel like you're in the space. And I looked into its eye and it seemed to be looking into my eye and I felt 
this connection with this creature briefly. I know that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous because we know under the hood how it all yeah. works, right? Uh, it's a low poly model and it's not eye tracking and you know, that's the helmet's not eye tracking and it's ridiculous, but it happened and it felt very powerful. So sometimes it's that, sometimes it's uh, realizing like, like honestly in games for most people, it's not always true, QA people, are still getting screwed you know there's there's uh, there's too many people who don't participate when the game is a big hit or uh whatever there's not enough people that participate when the game is a big hit um but uh it's really rewarding like it's uh my health benefits I, i've been able to see a therapist like i i get paid well you know it's 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 like i i grew up my mom was 15 when i was born you know we were uh, really poor. She OD'd in front of me when I was six. My dad was a welder in a chemical plant. He killed himself. You know, things were not good. Uh, even though, like, I'm a white guy, I'm systemically, there's fewer hurdles in front of me. Uh, things were very bad, as you know, that were bad in your family, too. And so I just, there's another reason is I appreciate every day, like, how good this job is, right? It's just a good job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and then there's another piece that's just like, it's maybe all I know how to do. Like, what would I go do if I if I wanted to do something else? Would I start another? I have a friend recently, Brian, who got out of games, I think, and got out of Facebook. He was working on Oculus Medium, which is a sculpting VR program. And now he works at this company that in Hawaii that plants trees to combat climate change. And he just seems reinvigorated, right? But he's an engineer. He went to school for that. Uh, he adds value in that area. I'm not. I'm not sure. You know. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like, yeah. how how am I relating to the world anyway? Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel that. But, you know, personally, I, I remember the. I'm sure you remember that as well. That old slogan from Origin: "We create worlds." Yeah. Right. That was probably one of the most uh, uh, magical. Like really true uh, yeah. slogan to me. It resonates mm -hmm. with me so much yeah. because. Uh, the more I've thought about this for years and years, like, why am I making games? Why am I even making music? Why am I, you know? And, and in a way it's because I, the same way I think as a kid, I was, I was touched. I was so possessed by that, you know, immersed yeah. in those worlds and, and the creative, the, the creators of these worlds that now I want to do the same. I want to invite people in my world. Totally. Right. Yeah. And there's something that's, that's my way to, yeah. to, to relate yeah. to people and to, to be meaningful somehow. Yeah. I, I would agree that that's another one on a, another good day. That's, that's <laughs> a good day. Um, there's probably another bad day version, which is like, I kind of need to be needed. Right. You know? And so, uh, I, um there's that one as well oh yeah um, i mean we both need a lot of therapy <laughs> yeah right probably get running out the clock at this point not gonna get enough you know so now loading the house of the dead i was gonna say something too like we, we, i was at origin for only three years but the slogan was we create worlds and it was awesome it it, it, it when you played a serpent isle or a, a, a black gate you know or you played Un ultimate underworld even though it was done by looking glass or system shock all the games were like like very even if they were not story heavy they were narrative rich uh that's what we try to continue at arcane right we're creating characters that fit in this world if there's a guard there he's thinking about what he's gonna have for lunch later even though it's ridiculous at some level this guy's not gonna have lunch later i have news for you but like he's th he's talking about it or he's thinking about it he's thinking about the argument he had at the bar last night and he's talking and that's it's just part of this rich thing right but i'll never forget yeah, like uh, a mentor, both of ours, Doug Church, telling me that uh, 
because Origin had such a track record of their games like taking forever to make, or eventually like um, like some of them didn't ship, or they didn't ship in good shape, or whatever. I remember uh, him saying that someone at Looking Glass had said, uh, well, "Our motto should be we ship games." <laughs> you know? and it was just like this like burn uh, from We Create Worlds, but also they loved Origin. So, yeah. uh, but anyway, Origin was uh, yeah. It was, it was very it's somehow like with all the even in spite of the you know uh, techno they had a lot of technical problems every oh, time God. they would ship a game you would have to i would have to buy a new machine every yeah. for, for <laughs> every game. time every ultima would buy a new machine yeah uh yet they are the reasons why i'm making games today i remember a game would come out and i would be like okay it's not working why is it not working i'm on the phone with some person i'm I'm like changing the auto exec dot bat. I'm like doing all this. I have to go buy a new sound card. Okay, now. And then it's still not working. And it's like, okay, if you, one guy on some forum said, if you go in or in some magazine before that, if you go in and the cards have these IRQs on them and they're jumpered together yeah. with this, they're just these little pins and they have this like cap that you put on it that connects those two. Seven, and if you yeah. take it off that one yeah. and put it on that one and now it suddenly works. And I'm yeah. just like, because I don't know why, why but some like, okay. yeah, yeah, that's cool. and then you put it all back together, you fire up your machine, and now the game works. And it's like, that is a hobby for obsessive people. Like, yeah. it's uh, ridiculous. Or you have to unload your mouse, uh, your, your mouse right. uh, yeah. driver so that, you can, so that the game can load. Yeah, the but, printer is taking too much memory. Take the yeah. printer out, unload the yeah, printer driver yeah. or whatever, and it's, now it works. And back then, there was no internet, and uh, I was in France. For, so for me, there was not even like an option to call Origin for, <laughs> for customer support. <laughs> so, I don't know how to read uh, it. Well, sure. That's three in the morning. Yeah, so I think it's very important what you said, uh, because... Uh, uh, I mean, back in the day, video games were a hobby or uh, even a job for true enthusiasts. And now there's a video game for every single person on the planet. And uh, at the same time, the, the gaming industry opens up. It already opened up for people who uh, can make, you know, casual games, mm, uh, I don't know, idlers. And uh, it's pretty open now. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, you mm, you have come to work with uh, younger programmers, younger uh, PR managers, and uh, mm, what you what we were talking about before is that Raf said that it's pretty cool to work as hard as you can when you are uh, before uh, 25, before 30, uh, and uh, now is everybody is so. Mm, vulnerable to crunches and working overtime these days so uh, I think there's they kind of try to be kind to themselves from the very first uh, from the very start what do you say about that uh, I have an answer for that which is that at some level crunch is a sickness and you know we've just explained why we went through it and and you know, uh, again, a little overtime here or there, like some nights I'm going to work late because I'm on fire or because I have to solve a problem. Every job has that. And certainly if you write a book or you make a film or anything passionate like that, there's going to be some, but like part of it is defined crunch, right? And I'm not being pedantic. I'm just saying, seriously, what do you mean when you say crunch? You mean excessive, mandatory, long-term 
overtime, well, that's that's really terrible. And so what I would say to those people is don't waste the best years of your physical body. Like don't, you know, your life is good later too. Your life is better later, honestly, than it, if you're lucky than it was earlier. For me, it's true. I'm happier now than I've ever been. But I don't have the body that I had when I was 20. You know, I don't, I, I don't have the freedom that I had back then. I could just drop everything and go do anything, you know, throw all my shit in the back of a car and move. I moved, took me an hour. Um, you know, now I, I have deep roots and everything, right? So at some level, people are asking those people to waste some of the best, most social, most physically fit, most free years of their life for the least reward on the team. It's insane. So personally, I'm glad that there's a generation of people who have come along who have said, we got to do something different here. And they're hearing from all the people that have gone through it that are like, there's a reason I did that or, uh, and it, it wasn't healthy, you know, and um, it's not the only path to success. And I regret, I regret it on every bad game that I did it on. Cause like, man, there were games I won't name that were pieces of shit. Uh, that I worked until midnight every night for hmm. a year, and then I and it broke up relationships, and I, you know, was scarred from it. And then you shift the game, and you're embarrassed by the game, and it's yeah. like, what the fuck, man? Like, yeah, so. it's true. I mean, yeah, for sure, crush, uh, crunch is uh, is bad in general. But when it when it's associated to a bad game, on top of that, then <laughs> you're really left with nothing. Really, a kick in the yeah. privates, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happened to all of us. Yeah. Um, and also there's something as, I mean, it's not like, if, if I look, you know, earlier on, I was saying when I was younger, I was so passionate about it that I didn't even care about it. Like for me, I was, sometimes you're on a roll, you know, okay, mm -hmm. I got all these ideas. I got, yeah, I do that with music this day nowadays, mm -hmm. you know, but I had to change some aspects of my life. Like in a sense that I think there's a moment where you have a family, there's a moment where also your body is not the same. And I, I never worked up until I was 38. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then now I could not live without working out. Mm -hmm. And working out is to take, and not only that, but eating well and, you know, nutrition and all that. That and that's, those are layers that I never integrated when I was 20. And you know, I could not make a difference between a, a pizza or, or, a, or, or a meal that is actually uh, balanced. So now yeah, it's, you know, I could, could not do that nowadays. I, okay, so first of all, I have to say, uh, Raf and I did CrossFit together for many years. Uh, I call myself the worst CrossFitter because I'm, I don't have the DNA for it. I don't have the genetics for it. I'm not in great shape. I don't have the drive for it, but I love it. Um, I go four or five times a week and it is mind changing. But I will say, uh, you're, you're probably in the, of all the 28 years worth of game developers I've known, you're in the top 10. A fittest game developer. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good thing, right? Um, and I just had an experience that I can relate, and I, I I always tell people the same thing. Like they say, "What can I do to be a better game developer?" I'm like, "Well, probably go to the park every day, or take a walk, do get into some fitness program, row a boat, or cycle, or whatever, do yoga, whatever you weightlifting, whatever you want." eat right, learn to cook, and then they're just like, what? Get your brain some oxygen. Yes, none of this has anything to do with game development. Oh, it, it does actually. And especially as you age, if you don't want to burn out after five years or something, which is like, I heard at some point that was the average and it's horrible. A, a lot of what we, the turtle thing in the sand, you know, a lot of what we believe is survivorship bias. 
I survived this, therefore be like me and you'll survive too. It's not true, right? It, mm. I got lucky in a bunch of different ways, but I was just gonna say, I just had this experience where I'm not drawn to working out or being around people much. You know, I, I can be very antisocial. Uh, and so during the pandemic for COVID-19, I spent, I think a full year on the couch, working around the, on my phone or on my laptop, uh, working in my house. I rarely left my house. Uh, once in a while, I'd go pick up some groceries, you know, roll the window down in a mask and somebody hands me my shit, like what, you know, some sort of like villain, goth villain and drive off, you know? Um, and so uh, at the end of that, like when I got vaccinated, I was like, I really miss working out with people. Cause CrossFit is like, I think it's like 60% women. That changes the vibe entirely. It's not very bro-like. Uh, I know some of the people there for years. I've known them. Uh, you know, so I went back in, I vaccinated and my coach Taylor, she was there and she was like, welcome back, you know? And so we started working out together in the group and I got to know the new group because it had, it had rolled over entirely. Like you went to a new place and other people left. And now I'm a few months back into it. And the whole point of this ramble is this, the mood that I had before and the feeling in my body versus just two weeks later is it's, it's as if a person goes to the doctor and says, I'm depressed, I'm weak, I'm fatigued, I have no stamina, my body hurts in a bunch of places, what can you do for me? And the doctor has a magic pill and says, here, just take this every day. And then two weeks later, you're flexible, you're strong, you have endurance, you're happy, you're laughing a lot more, you're social, you're thinking about the people you miss. It's like, this pill is a fucking miracle. Uh, and that pill for me is like working out for an hour every day. And every day it's different. It's either running or, or trying to do pull-ups or jumping rope or lifting weights or bear crawling. It's, it's, it's such a weird combination. You don't know, even know what you're gonna step into every time you go do it. And for, 45 minutes later, it's done. And for all the people that are like mind poisoned by the internet or by sitting in their apartment or by fear about COVID or anxiety about politics or whatever, like if you don't do anything else, if you just did this 45 minutes of intense, just walk or ride a bike or, but, but something get, that gets your heart rate up. It's, you know, you know, as well as I do, it's, it's like the, for people that are depressed, for people that have anxiety, it's the magic pill. You know, so. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, speaking of sports, uh, many people got used to getting things uh, right in front of them, uh, like in a second, uh, like do 100 uh, push-ups and uh, you will be fit in uh, three months each day. Like your uh, your body is pretty much surprised that you were just sitting in front of your PC uh, for the whole day and now you're doing 100 push-ups. It's pretty, you know, stressful for the body. So, yeah, what Harvey said. Uh, this is very right to to have a full training with a warm-up with the the workout uh, part and uh, with the cool down so yeah this uh, this stuff can change your life yeah totally i i took off friday because i looked ahead at what the workout was and it was sprints and then i looked at the weather and it was like 92 degrees and i was like, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like you know what my knee kind of hurts today i need to, my neck hurts a little i need to rest and recuperate this weekend uh, i did that on the merch i did that on <laughs> i was like you know what yeah, i don't right. i don't feel like uh running a mile yeah. and uh, then doing the pull-ups and all that in today. a weighted vest in a weighted uh, vest so yeah no, no, thank, thank you, you.
so Ralph, can you tell us about the how how do you actually gain the shape like that? You said about the 38 years old when you started. Uh, sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was 38 because until then, I mean, I've I've always been uh, lean. Yeah, I think that's genetics, right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so I pretty much could eat anything. And then around the age of 35, I started to get a little more pudgy and and I was thinking, oh, what's happening? And uh, I think at 38, I was like, hey, maybe I should do that thing that people talk about, like the workout thing, you know? I'm gonna go to a gym or something. And uh, so maybe I'll maybe I'll eat more rice and less pasta. I'll, I'll do just something that seems reasonable. And uh, I went to a gym and I say, I asked the guy, uh, hey, you know, what what could I do? Uh, you know, like a membership, like maybe like once a week, once every two weeks, like something that just like helps a little bit. And the guy laughed at me and he said like, well, uh, that's gonna be more than that. You're gonna have to come several times a week and you're gonna change your nutrition entirely. And so, so and, and I think once I started that, I became passionate by it. Like a lot of things that I start, I, I usually go, you know, I wanna really like figure it out and go deep on it. So then I became uh, very astute in, in like nutrition, what I'm supposed to eat, what I'm not supposed to eat. So I cut all the sugars. That's the first thing I did entirely. Like I was like super hardcore about no sugars thing. And yeah, I still kept the fruit and, and some sometimes a little bit of like dark chocolate or things like that. But like I had really like just a few grams of sugar a day and, uh, and then started to work. But like when it really became uh, transformative physically was uh, with CrossFit. I went to the same CrossFit gym as, as Harvey. Uh, it's called Voodoo CrossFit, <laughs> and uh, we uh, that's that's really when I started to see true true changes because it's so it surprises your body all the time. You know? I have a theory though. Uh, I'm the opposite of Raf. I'm by nature kind of chubby. If I even look at food, I gain weight. Uh, I have times in my life I've been very heavy, and then I'll uh, you know depress and whatever, and then I'll work and work or, or get on the right meds or whatever, and I'll lose some weight. Um, and in my experience, the people who work out, everybody who starts lean and they're very frustrated, like I can't put on any muscle, <laughs> but it's like, you look skinny, you, you, you know, you know, you're what most of us dream about being. And if you do put any muscle on, bink, it shows, right? It's, it's like, it's there, you see it, yeah. And by contrast, like if your nature is to be like a little, like more like a cat, you know, you're like, a, you know, curvy. Uh, and then why can't we be like cats? Cause you look over at the fattest cat in the room and he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm beautiful. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's an athlete on top of that, but he's like, I'm beautiful. Look at my body. I'm luscious, you know? And it's like, I wish I could think like this cat. Right. But, but in any case, um, I can work and work and work. And it's like, there's barely any visible difference, right? You know, so, uh, but I feel better and, and I can do more, you know, I'm flexible and I can uh, stamina, but anyway, fitness and food is probably not why we're here, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's, but, a, but it's, it's an interesting, important component, yeah, right? It's like, an important component because yeah. I think uh, it definitely, I think both of us, it helps us to stay somehow sane in a, in a yeah. world that's very demanding. I mean, the pressure for making games, some of it is self-inflicted, pressure yeah. obviously because we you know as we make more and more games and people have appreciated our previous games now we're like worried that our next game is gonna suck so like we <laughs> for, for every crowd of people there's there's like you know some percentage that are like oh i love that guy and i love the game that he made and i i therefore assume he must be some sort of genius and newsflash not a genius uh you know um we read my twitter it's it becomes obvious 
Uh, and then there's another percentage that are like, who, what, what game? It's like, how do you not know about our biggest game? Like, and then there's another percentage like, I can't wait for this guy to fail. I can't, he's such an ass. I know he seems nice, but just wait, he'll reveal someday what a bastard he is, you know? And it's just like, the, just dealing with that, yeah, that alone, like knowing that that is around you yeah. is, is shitty. And know? I think we all do that to some degree. I think it's because we uh, we have a tendency to simplify things, right? Like uh, caricaturize, caricaturize, yeah, right. like you know, things cannot be that complex. Like <laughs> this guy is an asshole or is a genius. There's nothing in the middle, and, and uh, it's, it, it sucks. But I mean, it's, maybe it's a human trait that we all do. Yeah. It, it's 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 true. You're right. Like. You know, games are made by teams, and um, and people will always try to find like who's the hero there, like that made it happen. And you know, and it's the same when we're back, you know, all the time. Like yeah. journalists will do that, uh, where it's really sometimes it's it's. I mean, most of the time it's a balance. It's it's like this this one person there that doesn't seem like they're yeah. really. Uh, doing uh, like the big thing, but like if they were not doing that small thing in the way they do it, then it would not inspire us in the way it does. It's yeah. some sort of weird magic uh, formula that that is kind of organic. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, teams are. You could talk all day. We could do another episode just about team chemistry and creative chemistry and team balance and uh, the percentage of people that you need are sort of like. <laughs> high octane, high maintenance versus like just solid. Like, uh, I remember Susan O'Connor used to say this thing about like people are either racehorses or goats, you know, and there's a moment on your team when you need, you know, the lightning is striking and everybody's freaking out and the goat is just standing there on the rocks. Like it's going to be okay. Look, I've been <laughs> through storms before and the goat is solid. And then there's a moment where you need to throw open the stall doors and you need to like go and the horse takes off, you know, and it's, I, I don't know where she got that from, or even if she still believes that because people change over time, right? That was 20 years ago. But um, I've always liked that because I look around at my team and I work with Susan. She, you know, she's very solid and she's very charismatic and fun and all that, but she's very solid. Our producer, Ben, is the same way. He's just like very solid. And amongst our leads, our art director, Karen, she's very non-reactive, you know, in a, in a strong way. And she knows her shit too. Uh, but then we have other people on the team that are just like, you know, the, the, the thunderbolt comes down and they're like freaking out, but they can also do crazy cool stuff, you know? Huh. Uh, I think the main rule is like, <laughs> you need some people that probably their skills aren't quite there, but they're socially connected to the team and they're, and, and you need some people that are grounded and you need some people that are really talented and you can, and, and you can, are very skilled and you can tolerate some people that are like, they need a little more hand holding or they need a little more calming. The thing you can't tolerate at all is the corrosive person, like the corrosive person, no matter how talented they are, they will take the team down and you have to have the team. Like it's like a symphony they, they, the team has to be all making music, you know, uh, and the corrosive person just like neutralizes the three or four people yeah. around them on any given day. And it's, oh yeah. It's, and it spreads. It spreads. That's the worst <laughs> part. Yeah. Yeah. So Raf, uh, speaking of, uh, the music that you do, is this, uh, some kind of opportunity for you to switch, uh, sort of change angles. Um, and, uh, what do you think about, um, uh, the projects that, uh, people start uh, in a parallel with their main work at uh, some studio or at some uh, even personal but a bigger project. 
because it's important to have something like that but it should be you should manage things right to not ruin anything both of it yeah it's a great question actually and uh unfortunately it's very hard for uh a lot of like a lot of the big companies in the industry they have this problem right like uh, I, as creative people i mean for harvey it, it it might be writing or it might be uh, doing some dnd campaigns or in this case it's yeah. professional the writing is professional in my case it's music and it can be professional um and it's true that one of the one of the things that it doesn't feel like we're being sometimes being heard by big triple a uh yeah. companies is that they try to lock you down and like make you do like anything creative is ours you know you're not supposed to do anything <laughs> other than this and mm -hmm. it's kind of like cruel from a from an artistic standpoint you know we need that freedom we need that outlet right it's a bad policy i mean like honestly if you if you can, it's just a cooking night, you know, or travel, if you can do something else that you, you're better at your job, you know. Uh, it's interesting because I, my D&D campaign right now is set in the 1920s. It's very Great Gatsby-like, and it's called Glyden. I might write a book about it, or I might turn it into a novelization someday or something, but like, it's keeping me sane. Through the pandemic, like two nights a week, I would run this D&D campaign. I would think about it at other times. And it was like switching topics on my, my work thinking to like this and then I could go back and I was refreshed and uh, music must be the same way. The question I have for you is like, I think lots of people can be like 10% a musician. Like, well, I have a job and once in a while I do something. I'm not sure you can do that with game development, especially being a director or running a company or whatever. How could you, how could you possibly be mostly musician, but I uh, do a little bit of game. It's so all consuming, you know, it would be, it seems like it would be very hard. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, right now I balance it pretty, pretty well, but uh, I don't know. We'll see the result on the game itself yeah. when it ships. <laughs> are, you, are you right now like 70% games, 30% thinking about music? Yeah, it? probably. I mean, it's like definitely music takes a, lot, a large part of my of my life. But I mean, at the same time, I, ha I don't have, a, you know, I don't have like a family style life. I'm like a single, single guy. So mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of easier for me to, yeah. uh, to be invested, uh, you know, games one side, music the other side. And sometimes they bridge together because some of my music goes into my games too. And so it's like one more angle of expression for me into my my world of, of you know uh so it, it pairs well together but yeah I think the thing about controlling something like that like music or writing is that uh making games is so kind of like it's spread across mm -hmm. so many people that even when we worked when we used to work together mm -hmm. it, it was at the end of the day like people ask us like hey who did who, who did come up with the with the red swarm idea and i was like frankly i i'm not sure could be somebody on our yeah. team could be one of the programmers could be one of us like you know that's right it's yeah. like there's such such a long chain between you and the, the end game uh when you, and i might have pitched the shitty version of it and right. you might have and said, no, this is the thing it. that makes yeah. it good. Or somebody else might have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah vice versa, yeah. yeah. And so we has like, if you're writing or music or like this personal creative project, you cannot control them a little more. Yeah, that, my novel was the same way. Like, that was the saving grace of it, even though it was lonely and miserable, was that every single word was like, I chose, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And sometimes it's important to feel like that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. Uh, I hope uh, in uh, the next episode. Could probably do this again. It'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Raf, Harvey, thank you. And uh, have a nice one. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.